grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some have described life as a roller coaster. There are the ups and the downs in life. We face them emotionally, physically, and spiritually as we journey through our life. Sometimes that switch from perhaps happiness to sadness and even back can happen in just moments. Some of our joys are a result of our works which have been blessed by God, while other joys may be those that others have brought to us. And some of the lows that we endure may be, in, may be ones that we are the cause of, and others may be things that have inflicted, been inflicted on us. The joys of the Spirit are worked by God through His Holy Word. And on this day, Palm Sunday, it is certainly a joyous day, even as we are in the midst of Lent and beginning Holy Week. Now, St. John, he reports some of the roller coaster-like events which lead, to, uh, lead up to Palm Sunday and to our Lord's Passion. Last week, we heard of a previous visit that our Lord had made to Jerusalem, which was recorded in John chapter 8. And today's gospel at the beginning of the service was from John chapter 12. There last week in John chapter 8, Jesus faithfully preached the word of God to the Jews in the temple, but it brought about their ire because they would not let God's law have its proper effect, nor would they believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And as a result, they thought that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy, and they picked up stones to throw at Jesus, but he hid himself and passed out of the temple, escaping them. And later in the next chapter, John 9, Jesus healed a man that was born blind. So imagine living your life, living that your life completely blind. The question came up, why was he born blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? And Jesus said it's not the result of either, but that the work of God may be made manifest. And so Jesus, he heals this man who was born blind. And talk about going from a low in life to a high when he, for the first time, can see what we often take for granted. His vision is fully restored. He can see. And you would think everyone would be filled with awe and amazement over this work of Jesus. But then you have the Pharisees who saw this man now healed. They asked him who did it. He pointed out that it was Jesus Christ who had done it. He faithfully confessed Jesus, and then the Pharisees proceed to excommunicate him. So go from that high of being able to see to the low of this injustice by some of the church leaders, angry with Jesus and casting him out of the church. Then in the next chapter, John chapter 10, Jesus declared that he is the good shepherd, speaking incredibly comforting words to us Christians, acknowledging that Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our Lord. He said these wonderful words, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, comforting words, joyous words, words we love to hold fast to because they testify who Jesus is and the reality that he gives us eternal life. We will not perish. But what does the next verse say in John? John reports, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Why? Because he was making himself out to be God. They sought to seize him, but then Jesus escaped from their hands. And so then Jesus next traveled to beyond the Jordan River, where John the Baptist had done his ministry. And while he was there, many witnessed his miracles, and they believed in him. So things appeared now to be going pretty well. But then Jesus received some word. He received word from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was sick. Now perhaps shockingly, Jesus did not drop everything right away and go and heal Lazarus who was living in Bethany, which was about two miles away from Jerusalem. Now he just continued on doing what he was doing for a while. In our fast-paced day of instant communication and instant gratification, I wonder how much patience people would have to be willing to wait. Yet that's what these people had to do because Jesus continued to preach the word where he was beyond the Jordan River for the next two days. And then finally, Jesus called his disciples and said, let's go down to, let's go to Judea. But our Lord's disciples knew that it would not be safe for him to be there. We've already heard of a few times in which they were persecuting Jesus, seeking to stone him. And so, when Jesus told his disciples that, that Lazarus is now sleeping, he must go and wake them up, they, they did not want Jesus to go. The disciples didn't understand these words of Jesus either, that, that Lazarus is sleeping and it's time to wake him up. They thought, well, if he's sleeping, that means his body is on the mend and he'll get better. But Jesus then put it bluntly to them, Lazarus had died. Let's go. Thomas, who later would doubt the eyewitness testimony of our Lord's resurrection, then said to the fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So they knew what was going to happen. It would not be good. Grave things would happen should they enter into the holy city. Now they were probably glad when they got word at first that Jesus didn't do anything. They're probably hoping that they wouldn't ever return to Jerusalem. But Jesus had already told them about his upcoming crucifixion and his resurrection. So when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Martha reported to Jesus that Lazarus had died, to which Jesus replied, saying, Lazarus will rise. And Martha said, well, I know, Lord, that, that Lazarus will rise at the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said these words that we take so much comfort in, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then Jesus went to the place where Lazarus was laid. 
The crowd, of course, was weeping and Jesus wept. They rolled the stone away that was blocking the entrance to his tomb. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And at that word of Jesus, Lazarus rose from the dead. Purely the work of God. Lazarus had no decision to make himself alive. And in the same token, we who were once dead in our sins and trespasses do not make the decision to make ourselves spiritually alive. But God comes to us through his holy word and he saves us. So Lazarus, he comes out of this tomb. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was also wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. And many of the Jews who saw this, this miracle of Jesus believed in him. The word about this resurrection, which Jesus had done, spread like wildfire. And, and many were coming to faith at this report. But then there were others who were not so impressed. They reported this event to the Pharisees, who then sought even more to find a way to kill Jesus. For those who hated Jesus became even more galvanized in their hatred. The crowds not only then wanted to see Jesus, gather to see him, but they also wanted to see Lazarus. As a result, the chief priests also then plotted to kill Lazarus, of all people. Obviously, they had no case to kill him. They thought they had a case against Jesus because they thought that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy. But it was their hatred which was driving them to, pl driving them to plot to kill Lazarus. That is, it was their hatred of Jesus which was driving them to, to their plot to kill Lazarus. For many, when they saw the risen Lazarus, they were then believing in Jesus. Now, of course, they wouldn't have accomplished anything by killing Lazarus. After all, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead once, he could certainly do it again. But knowing that the chief priests were ready to kill Lazarus, this also helps us understand a little bit why the disciples were so quick to scatter when Jesus was arrested and was going through his passion. And it also helps us understand why the disciples were hiding in fear even after they had heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. Because some are so angry and they're seeking the only solution that they know will be effective, and that is to bring people to death. So the day after this plot to kill Lazarus is when our gospel readings begin. The crowds are increasing as the report of Lazarus' resurrection spread. They're just days away from the Passover, so many people have traveled to Jerusalem for this very important feast. And Jesus then, fulfilling the prophecy recorded in Zechariah 9, rides into Jerusalem with much fanfare as the crowds are singing their praises to Jesus. They are excited to see him. They worship him. They rightly confess who he is, that he is the son of David, the king of Israel. He is their savior. They say that he is their savior when they proclaim Hosanna, because what that word means is save us now. And they even gave Jesus a welcome that was fitting for a king. They put their cloaks down on the donkey that Jesus rode on. They put down cloaks and branches on the road before him as he rides into Jerusalem. It was all a very festive event. 
So I hope as I've given you this summary of the things leading up to Palm Sunday, that you can see the highs and the lows of that roller coaster that was going on during the, those times. Jesus performing miracles, preaching the word of truth, and cr crowds following Jesus were clearly all highs. But then you have those lows of when Jesus was nearly stoned to death at his rocks thrown at him. Lazarus' own death plots to kill Jesus and Lazarus and these church leaders who are supposed to be faithful to the word of God. They are now against Jesus plotting to kill him. So as Jesus enters Jerusalem, the crowd grows. The joy that the people are experiencing intensifies and our Palm Sunday hymns that we sing today certainly capture that wonderful tone. Yet many were not seeking Jesus to be their savior from sin. Instead, they were hoping that he could rule over them as their king. They thought this was the moment that their king was coming into the city and they will now be freed from the oppression of the Roman government which was ruling over them. And then there were others who were simply interested in witnessing miracles, such as healing people or raising another person from the dead. They weren't so interested in having a Messiah who would save them from their sin. Yet the praises that the people offered to Jesus as they sang their hosannas took root in those dear little ones, the children, because as Matthew reports, they continued to praise Jesus during the week as they were crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. That also angered the chief priests and the scribes. They went up to Jesus and said, do you hear what these are saying? And because as if Jesus were saying some sort, or as if these kids were saying some sort of falsehood. But Jesus replied, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have brought forth perfect praise? You see, Jesus said, the children are right. The praises that they are singing are absolutely true. Jesus is the Savior. And their praises that they were offering to Jesus were wonderful. Earlier, Jesus had said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And Jesus also extolled the faith that children can have and the danger of hindering children from hearing the voice of the good shepherd when he said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now everyone agrees how evil it is to physically abuse children. But why do so many seem to be unconcerned about the spiritual abuse that many children now have? When they are robbed of that gift of baptism or the opportunity to hear the word of God both at home and at church. You heard what Jesus said for those who cause our little ones to sin. And that's, that doesn't simply mean making them go out and do bad things. But it's also that sin of omission 
like when they fail to uphold the third commandment. It is sins like this that Jesus, though, carries to the cross. And so he calls on us to repent of our sin, to amend our ways, and to follow him. It is amid the great joy as Jesus rides into Jerusalem that Jesus enters his holy holy city to be the substitutionary sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus knows that for him to be the King of Kings, he must do it by way of the cross. Jesus knew to be our great high priest, he must offer himself as the ransom payment to atone for all of our sin. Jesus knew as he was riding into Jerusalem that he would in just a few days suffer the wrath of God, being forsaken by his Father in heaven as he bears the world's sin in his body. Jesus knew that many would forsake him and flee as he underwent this passion. Yet it is love that caused him to go through with all this. His love toward you is unconditional. And so he did everything that was required to earn your salvation. He took your sins away on the cross. He rose from the grave to give you eternal life. He sends you his Holy Spirit to guide you into the way of truth to lead you by the word and the sacraments. This week, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is a very important week for us. The importance of focusing on our Lord's bitter sufferings and death simply cannot be overstated. Our Lord Jesus is going to the cross to be glorified. He rides into Jerusalem to die. Of the 89 chapters found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 30 of them, that is over a third of the chapters, focus on Holy Week and our Lord's resurrection, a period of about 50 days. Less than two-thirds of the Gospel focus on his birth and his entire ministry leading up to Holy Week. So therefore, this week is a week for us all to slow down with our busy lives and to focus on what Jesus has done to reconcile us to our Father and and what he has done to grant us eternal life. For in Jesus and in no one else, you have the gift of eternal life and everlasting salvation. Through him you are reconciled to your Father in heaven. In him life abides in you. Therefore, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.